So uh, thanks for being here this morning. Let's, uh, let's just open with a word of prayer before we get into to this week's message. Uh, Father God, we just thank you for, um, we just thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for uh, the, the reason that we all gather here, which is you and, uh, and your love and, and your grace and what you have done for us. Um, without that, all of this would be pointless. And so we just thank you for that. And, and Father, I just pray that, um, that your truth would reign here this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place, that you would move among us, uh, and that we would, uh, we would just recognize uh, who you are, we would recognize what you're doing um, in our lives and what you've already done in our lives, in our hearts. And so, Father, we just give you this morning. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. All right. So I want to get right into it this morning. Um, and uh, we're going to kind of, like, like Jeremy said, this is the second week of here, then here. Um, and uh, we talked last week from Matthew 22, where Jesus said, you know, the greatest commandment in the law, the greatest commandment in the law, the thing that you need to obey in the law, if you're going to relate to God, the most important thing is the whole law right? In, in Matthew 22, he says, listen, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. That summarizes the whole law. So if you're going to abide by the law, if you're going to live according to the law, then you got to follow the whole law. There is nothing that is more important in, in that because it's the whole thing, right? That, that's the way it is. Um, and, and so even in that though, Jesus also gave an order and he said, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then the second, is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so there's this kind of a weird, like the whole thing, but then there's part of it. Uh, and so I think Jesus was telling us something different there. Um, and so we named that relationship with God, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. We named that, that's the vertical, right? The vertical. And Jesus said, first the vertical, then the horizontal. So here and then here is what, is what we got into last week. Um, and Jesus said that's first, vertical, then horizontal. But what we also t decided last week, or what I decided and told you, um, I don't know if you decided or not, but this is what I, what I, what I believe. We decided that the, that the law actually works in the opposite way. And religion works in the opposite way. That says you got to do the horizontal stuff in order to get the vertical. You got to do the horizontal in order to get the relationship with God, to establish it or to keep it. That's what, that's what law and that's what religion says. But Jesus said it's the opposite of that, right? Jesus was saying, no, you have to have the vertical in order to be able to do all the other stuff. And you can't do that in the law is what we decided. You can't, it doesn't work that way. You can't do it according to religion. You can't do it because Jesus said the only way to, for it to be done was for him to come and he came and he established that, right? That was the reason that Jesus came to establish and to keep the vertical through that for us. And then through that, that's where the transformation happens. That's where, then, then the horizontal happens after that, but it can't be in the other order, okay? It can't be the other order. So we talked about here and then here of the vertical and the horizontal. Um, so if you weren't here last week, I really, really would encourage you um, to go back and listen to it because it is foundational for us as a church. It really is. This is where we're building from, from here. We're going out from here, not just in 2020, but for the existence of this church, um, that's where we're gonna be. And so um, I, I would invite you to go back and listen to that or just come next week because I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same message. It's, it's gotta be vertical and then horizontal, okay? Um, but this morning, uh, we're gonna kind of continue on that path. And uh, what I really wanna do is dive a little bit deeper into the vertical part that we talked about into the vertical relationship, vertical relationship with God. And I think we can kind of start with the same scripture, scripture, 
So Matthew 22, we're just gonna read verse 37. We're not gonna read the whole thing. Um, And it says this, and Jesus, it says, and he said to him, Jesus said this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment, okay? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Now, I don't think Jesus was really making a, a, a point, at least the point in the way that I'm gonna make it this morning, but it is very convenient for me that he says, heart, soul, and mind. And that's the order, heart, soul, and mind. Because this morning I wanna talk about here, then here, all right? Heart, then mind. And I don't think Jesus was making a point to say that, maybe he was, maybe it's written that way so that we would have this scripture in this place here this morning. I don't know, God's purposes are greater than mine. But here in our heart and then in our minds. And that's the order that it's gotta be. Now there's a lot of people that might wanna reverse those things. And I think most people would reverse those things and say, well, when I believe it to be true in my mind, when I, when I believe it to be in true here, when I can grasp it in my mind, then I will, be, I will begin to change my life to line up with what I believe up here, right? That's the way most people are gonna approach it. I grasp it, I can, I can get it, I see what Jesus did, therefore now I'm gonna transform my life. Now I'm gonna change my life to line up with what God did in, in my mind. Um, or what, what I'm, I, I recognize to be true in there. But I don't believe that's the way it works. I believe it's gotta be a heart first and then mind. Um, it's gotta be a here and then a here. And especially when we're talking about relationship with God, it's gotta come first. But before we get into that, I wanna draw your attention to something that I, that I saw this morning or I saw in this past week. Um, this idea of heart, soul, and then mind. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. If you look in Luke's version, of, of this statement that Jesus makes. He even, Luke throws in their strength, okay? So it's your heart, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. What's really cool about that is if you make a connection to something that we talked about way back in August, um, if you remember that, our, in our back to school series that in a lot of ways kicked this whole new thing off for us as a church, this new season for us as a church. In that series, we talked about how humanity was created, that God created humanity with a body, a soul, and a spirit, right? Remember the whiteboard? I drew it up there, body, soul, and spirit. Um, God created humanity with a body, soul, and spirit. And here's the connection that I want you to make. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Now he lists four things, but I think we can group mind and soul together because we said, love the Lord your God with your body, that's your strength, right? That's your physical being. Love the Lord your God with your body, with, with, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with your soul, with your mind. Your mind and your soul, they go together because your soul is, is like your intelligence and your, your brain, your emotions, your will, all of that goes together, right? And then love the Lord your God with your heart. That's your spirit, right? Body, soul, spirit. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your spirit. Love the Lord your God with all your soul and mind. Those go together and love the Lord your God with all your strength. That's your body, your physical body. So basically what Jesus is saying here, he says the most important thing for you to do is to love God with all of your entire being. With everything that you're made of, love the Lord your God. That is most important. But we also said back in August, if you remember, we talked about Adam and Eve and when Adam and Eve sinned, they died. God said, if you eat from this tree, tree, you're gonna die. Okay, and so they ate from that tree and they died. They didn't die in their body, 
right? They were up walking and talking. Um, they didn't buy, die in their soul or their mind. They, that didn't die. See, because they were still, they still had thought processes. They still had emotions. They still had a will. They still made choices that way. But it was their spirits that died. It was their hearts that died. You see that? They didn't die in their body. They didn't die in their soul or their mind, but their spirits died. So Jesus's statement of love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, even in that one statement, he's saying right relationship with God involves your entire being, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, your body, your soul, your spirit. Even in that one simple statement, he's saying the law is summed up in all of these things and you can't do it because your heart's dead, your spirit's dead. And you can love God with your body. You can love God with all your strength under the law because you can choose to abstain from physical sin, right? You cannot murder. You cannot commit adultery. You can even love God with your soul and your mind by stepping it up to what Jesus said. And, and you can abstain from the thoughts. Listen, don't lust, right? Don't be angry. You can do that. But you can't love God with all of your heart because your heart's dead. Your spirit's dead. It's done. You can't, you can't do it. Dead can't fix dead. Do you see that? Under the law, it can't happen. And Jesus says, the only way to change that was for me to come. That's why I'm here. I'm here to change that. Can you follow that? So under the old covenant and under the law, you can try to love God with your physical efforts. You can try and love God with your soul, with your, with your, your mental efforts, and you can try and love God with your heart, but you can't do it. You can't do it under the old covenant. The only way to fix it was Jesus. And that's why we said it's heart first. Because until the heart is addressed, until the spirit is addressed, nothing is fixed. Nothing is fixed until that's accomplished. So I wanna talk this morning about this order of heart and then mind, because I believe that that's the way it's gotta be in order for anything to be different. It's gotta be that. So let's talk about heart Heart, heart, heart. Your heart, um, we throw this word around a lot this morning, uh, or, or today, not just this morning. Um, I said this morning because my wife sent me a text that said, I heart you. <laughs> I thought she didn't know I was doing this, but uh, <laughs> she said, I heart you. Or we say, you broke my heart. Or we say, uh, we, we just, oh, well, here we go. We just came through Christmas, and you can't go into a store uh, the two months leading up to Christmas without hearing the song. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart, right? <laughs> I gave you my heart last Christmas. My thought is, how, you, you gave your heart? How do you give your heart, right? And second of all, if you gave your heart away last Christmas, how are you gonna give it away again this Christmas to somebody more special, right? We just kind of throw that word around, heart. We just throw it around. So what's our understanding of heart? I think we, we have this kind of cultural understanding, this, this acceptance of, of what we mean, but I think generally we miss the understanding that there's a difference between our hearts and our mind, okay? There's a difference between our hearts and our emotions or our feelings. The Greek word for the, in the New Testament for heart is cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A. That's our translation of it, cardia. It sounds familiar, right? Cardia, cardiac, that kind of a thing. Um, it's your heart but it refers to more than just the organ. It refers to the, your spirit. It refers to the center of your being. It is the seat of your spirit, literally. 
And we should understand when we, when we talk about heart, we should understand that our heart, that's the part of us that is really us more than anything else. That's the part of us that is really us more than our thoughts, more than our emotions. That's the part of us that's real more than, than our physical being because that's the eternal part of us. That's the part that goes on forever. So, so our heart, our spirit is more us than any other part of, of, of who we, we see ourselves as. And that's gotta be significant, right? Because if we're gonna separate our, our hearts and our mind, if we're gonna say it's our heart and then our mind, then we, there has to be a difference. And it is, and there is a difference because our heart is the eternal part that will go on forever. It is the part that is so much deeper than what we think or what we feel or what we see or what we do. It's our heart, it's our spirit. And it's a really hard concept for us to grasp in a culture that wants to ignore or deny spirit, right? It's really hard for us to grasp that concept when we don't wanna even acknowledge that the spirit's there. So when we talk about, in our culture, when we talk about heart, we end up talking about our feelings or we end up talking about what I, what I know to be true or what I see. And that falls into the mind and the soul area. That's not heart. We wrongly label it heart. When we say, I love you with all of my heart, what it usually means is I feel good about being with you right now. It's pleasant. I like the feeling it gives me in my tummy, right? It's a warm fuzzy, the butterflies. And people generally settle for that kind of a connection. We generally settle with, with that. But we do it without knowing that heart or that spirit is something so much more deeper than that. I had a pastor who spent some time in Montana as he was, and, and he did a lot of, of ministry with the, the Native American population there. I don't remember what tribe, but they had a, an understanding that it wasn't your heart, but they would say your bowels, like your gut. I love you with ugh, my gut. Like that is the center of who I am. So, so it's, a different, it's a little bit of a different sentiment for us, but, but it's like, this is like, Ugh, like this is who I am, right? This is the center of me and that is where I understand my spirit to be. <laughs> my intestines feel, so I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when we understand that heart goes so much deeper than our feelings, when we understand that heart or spirit goes so much deeper than what I can grasp with my mind or what, I, or what I simply just recognize to be true at the moment, then the reality of what Jesus has done in our hearts, in our spirit, it changes. And it changes everything for how we, we're gonna operate in this world. So when I talk about your heart, I'm talking about the cardia. I'm talking about the center of who you are, the center of your spirit, not the center of you mentally, not the center of you emotionally, but the central part of who you are. I'm not talking about what you can understand. We're not talking about what you believe to be true up here or what you know to be true. We're talking about way beyond that. We're talking about the eternal spirit, the part of you that God breathed into you. That's your spirit, right? That's your heart. In the book of Romans, it tells us uh, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it's with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth 
he confesses, resulting in salvation. With the heart, a person believes. With the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the center part of your eternal being, with your spirit, you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. That is to say, if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you're believing that he is who he said he was, right? And that what he did was for your salvation, what he did on the cross, that you believe that in in your spirit. When you recognize that, that scripture right there says that it results in righteousness, okay? It results in you being made right. When that is true within your spirit, when that is true with the deepest part of you. Now, what's so confusing about that is we read that word believe and we understand in our culture, belief to come from here. We understand belief to come from our mind. We say, I believe it to be true. Meaning I have worked out all the details. I have seen the the information and I have logically come to the conclusion that it makes sense. Therefore, I believe well, James 2 said even the devil or even the demons believe, right? So there's a difference than what we're talking about here. There's a difference. There's something different. And this, this belief is from your heart, not from your mind. This is from your spirit, from, from the deepest part of you. It goes to your central core. In your spirit, you believe, even if you can't compute it intellectually, See how that works? Even if you, if, if you know what Jesus did on the cross and in the resurrection, if you understand in your deepest part of you that that was for you and it covers you, the scripture says that it, you're righteous, that you're made right. That deep part in you, here's the good news of Jesus and it resonates with your spirit. You believe it. And at that moment, it results in your righteousness. It results in you being made right. Here's the cool part, that the heart that you believed with is made new. The heart is actually made new. Righteousness means to be made right as you ought to be. That's what righteousness means, to be made right. When your heart believes, when your spirit believes, they, it, you, whatever you wanna call it, is made new. You are made as you ought to be. It is the vertical relationship with God established. That's what that means. When you believe it in the deepest part of you. Because your spirit recognized that Jesus' work was what it needed to be made right. And you believed it in your heart, in your spirit, in your core. That's your heart. That's your spirit. Not your mind. Not your body. And that's what God wants for us. That's what, that's what God has, has set out to do. That is what he has designed. That is what he brings him pleasure for us to be made right in our hearts. That's his primary concern in our spirit. That was the broken part. That was the part that he's changing in us or that he has changed in us. That we're made right by making our spirits alive again. That's what he wants. And it's why the law, under the law, the blood of bulls and goats, it wasn't enough because it couldn't change the dead spirit. It could cover sins for a while, but it could not take them away. See how the difference is, the, the, the work, it works there? Hebrews 10, um, we're gonna read verse four and then we'll jump to verse eight because verse eight kind of repeats what's said in between there. But it says, Hebrews 10, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Jump to verse eight. After saying, the, uh, saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, 
nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, this is Jesus, then Jesus said, behold, I've come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. All right, there's a lot there, right? It didn't make sense as I, as I read it out loud. It probably didn't make sense to you as you read it or, or thought, right? But here's what he's talking about. He's saying that what God wants is for you to be made right. God's will, his desire for you is what he wants for you to be, it's what he wants for you to be made right, that your heart is made right. The Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus here. He's talking about him as coming as the sacrifice for our sins, that his sacrifice covered us once and for all, okay? That his sacrifice was better than any sacrifice that otherwise could have been offered because he was the perfect sacrifice. It covered us, uh, it covered our sin, unlike the blood of bulls and goats but he refers to it in this way. He says that Jesus says it this way. This is the prophecy. He says, behold, I have come to do your will. I have come to do your will. Jesus came to do the will of God. This is not the will of God that says, uh, God, is it your will that I go to this school or that school? God, is it your will that I take this job or, or not take this job? God, is it, is it your will that I go talk to this person or whatever? No, this is, God, what is your will? Your, what is your desire for all of creation. What is your desire for everything that you have made and you've built? His will, this is what it says, his will, his desire and his pleasure was for Jesus to come and to sacrifice himself for your heart to be made right. That was his will. That is God's will. And Jesus says, I came to do your will. What was your will? I came to do it. I came to sacrifice myself for you, the rest, for all of your creation. Put verse nine up there again. It says, he takes away the first, the old law, right? He takes away the first, the old law, the sacrifice, and that, that performance-based law, he takes it away in order to establish the second, which is God's will for us to be made right. By this will, by his pleasure and his desire, we have been sanctified. Now that's a big church word sanctified, right? Sanctify him. It means to be made holy, to be recognized, to be made holy. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. By his will, by his desire, by his pleasure, we have been made holy through the offering of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once and for all. This is your heart made right. This is your heart made right. Your spirit made righteous. When you believe with your heart, it's made right. So not only does believing in your heart come first, but so does the making of your heart right come first. Not your mind, but your heart. The restoration of your heart and your spirit comes first. It's heart and then mind, right? Heart and then mind. So your heart comes first. And if that's true, then for the rest of your life, your mind is gonna be playing catch up because it's your heart and then your mind. It's your heart and then mind. We, uh, we have a dog, a basset hound named Maisie. And um, May we got Maisie when she was a little puppy. And uh, I, I love basset hounds because they're just so awkward in, in design and low and long and big ears and all that stuff. Well, when she was a puppy, 
um, she did the cartoon thing. She would try and run and she'd step on her ears, right? Oh, and she couldn't do it, right? But she grew into them, right? She had the long ears and I don't think they're as long as they are now, but, but they were too big for her body. She kept stepping on them. She kept tripping. She kept stumbling. She kept going, but she grew into them. That's what we're talking about. It's heart and then mind. It's the heart established and then growing into it with our mind. Because the reality of what God has done in your heart is so drastic, so counterintuitive to what you see and what you hear and what you smell and what you feel, and it's so opposite to what religion tells us that it truly is a lifetime process of lining up the mind with what has already been established in your heart, what has already been done in your heart. It's a lifetime process of learning and relearning and relearning and then learning that there's more to learn so you relearn, right? It's, it's a lifetime process to line up your mind with what God has already done in your spirit, what he's already done in your heart. I wanna read from Romans 12, verses one and two. And this is gonna be a little bit of a long way around, but I wanna do it intentionally, okay? So Romans, Romans 12, one and two, this is one of the first verses that I ever memorized um, on my own as a, a scripture that's, that not somebody fed me and said, here, you gotta learn this. This was a scripture that I, I picked up and I, and I memorized it for myself. So we're gonna read it first out of the NIV because we interpret this differently based on how we read it, all right? Romans 1, or 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, a living, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, when you read the scripture in that way, or in, in the way that I have generally interpreted it my entire life, it tells me this, that God wants me to sacrifice my life. That God wants me to sacrifice, uh, to offer my life as a sacrifice to him. That it pleases him that I would give up my hopes and my dreams and my desires and everything that I believe he's given me. It pleases him for me to sacrifice all of that up to him. It's probably a familiar sentiment, right? If you've been in church for very long, it's probably a pretty familiar sentiment. You submit to God's will, you sacrifice your own plans and your dreams, and then you'll be closer to God, and then you'll be able to tell what God's will is, his secret will, right? We'll be able to understand what his will is because you'll be closer to God and you'll be able to see it. And it's that implication that sacrificing myself and my desires and my hopes and my dreams and sacrificing them to him, setting them aside, that's what God really wants out of me, okay? so that now I can see his plan. Now there is some truth there. There's a small bit of truth there, a line that if we align ourselves to God and we align ourselves to his purposes, right? That's the truth that, that God's will is, is, or his, his purposes or what's best. There's some truth there. But overall, if that's the way that I'm gonna view this relationship with God, man, that's depressing, that is a depressing view of relationship with God. That what he really wants for me is for me to give up all of my hopes and dreams, which I believe that he's given me because then I'll get to know the secret will of God. I empty myself of me so that I can see God. And there is some, again, there's, a, there's some truth there, right? We, there's some truth there. 
but generally it fits with a religious approach of get out me so that God can, can fill me, that I can become more like Jesus. And then he says, and don't be conformed to this world, so don't live like the world lives, but transform, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And again, it's that idea that we can renew our minds, we can, we can grab something, and then we can be more godly. We can live more godly lives. If we just grab a hold of the truth and we grunt hard enough, then we can live more godly lives. It will be more like Jesus. And that's what, really, that's what God really wants out of me. If I, could, if I could only want bad enough, if I could only try hard enough in view of God's mercy after all, in, in view of all he's done for you and me, well, I mean, what else do I have? I have to do something in view of God's mercy. And when we can grab it with our mind, well, then the rest of us will follow, okay? Eventually transforming us into what God wants. Do you see the picture there? That's how I've read that scripture. This is, a, this is a mind and then a heart approach. This is a mind trying to make myself, to make my heart right. But as I read the entire book of Romans, the context of this scripture, you can't take part of the scripture out of the rest of the book of Romans, right? And in Romans 10, Paul says this. He says, brother, my desire and my prayer to God for them. He's talking about some, some people who haven't recognized Jesus. But he said, my desire and my prayer for them is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. In other words, these people don't know about God's righteousness. These people, these people don't know what Jesus has done for them, that Jesus has, has offered himself as a sacrifice so that they could be right, so that they could have his righteousness. They don't know that. And they're still trying to do it on their own. They're still trying to sacrifice all of their things so God will see how serious they are about relationship with him. They're still, they're tr still trying to do this self-made thing, this self-righteous thing rather than subjecting themselves to what God has already offered them in Jesus. And that's a righteousness that he gives freely. That's a righteousness that he gives to those who believe in their hearts in the deepest part of them, right? Romans 12 cannot say your mind and then transform, cannot say believe in your mind and then transform your life accordingly. It can't say that because it, that goes against what Paul just wrote a few paragraphs earlier. So let's read it again in the New American Standard Bible and let's read it with the understanding that, our, that, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Christ is the end of, of us trying to get some kind of self-righteousness for those who believe. And let's also read it from the approach that our minds and bodies have to catch up with all, what's already been established in our hearts. In other words, it's a heart then mind approach. So Romans 12, verse one and two. It says, therefore I urge you, brother, Brethren, by the mercies of God, you can stop right there. It's already different. That's already different. Rather than in view of God's mercy, which says looking at God's mercy, right? Looking at what he's done, the least that you can do is offer yourself as a sacrifice for him. No, this says by 
God's mercy, by the mercies of God. So therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So by God's mercy, present your bodies as a living and a what? A holy, holy sacrifice. You can't offer, under the law, under this understanding, you can't offer a blemished sacrifice. You are not allowed to offer a lamb that is crippled. You are not allowed to offer something that has a spot on it. It has to be pure. It has to be spotless. It has to be holy as a sacrifice. And Paul says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That should tell us right there that if we have been made right, we've already been made right. We've already been made spotless, okay, in our hearts. That's already been done. Our spirit doesn't need to be transformed. Our spirit has been transformed. And then verse two, he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may, be, you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So in light of Romans 10, from the same letter that says our, our hearts are made right, righteousness comes from God. Romans 12 saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind cannot mean you have your heart or your spirit, your, that your heart or your spirit has a lack of righteousness that's transformed by setting your mind to do the right things. When we read Romans 12 in the light of the fact that we're already transformed and already made righteous in our spirit, our hearts, all of a sudden we're talking about renewing our mind to understand that God has already made us righteous in Christ based off of our heart belief and confession and based off our belief in what he has done rather than by transforming our, our, ourselves further. So the transformation that's happening has nothing to do with our righteousness. The transformation that's happening has to do with our mind understanding what has happened in our heart already and then walking that out. And as we read it more, it, it, reading it more, it opens it up more and more because Paul says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? I always thought it's the, it's the sin, right? I was, that's what I was always thinking. But if I read it in this light, the pattern of this world is self-righteousness. This pattern of this world is finding righteousness and right relationship in doing the right things or not doing the wrong things. It's religion. Paul says, don't be conformed to it. Don't be conformed. Why? Because then you will be able to prove what the will of God is. What's the will of God? Remember it from earlier, from Hebrews? His will, his desire was for Jesus to come and make the sacrifice to make us right. So not living according to the pattern of this world, which is religion and which is self-righteousness, then we can understand and we can prove that that is the will of God, that he made us right, that Jesus came to make us right. Don't conform to religion or self-righteousness. Be transformed and your life will be transformed as your mind is continually renewed to the realization that your relationship with God is based on the righteousness of Christ and the work that he has already accomplished for you. So renewing our mind is not about transforming the heart or our spirit for salvation. Renewing your mind is about constantly being reminded of who you are in Christ who he has made you. Renewing our mind is about learning what it means to already be made righteous. Renewing your mind is, is learning what it means to be a child of the king rather than a servant of a vengeful tyrant. 
Renewing your mind is about learning to break free from religion that wants to tell us that our behavior, our lack of sin, or our, 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 our uh, expression of holiness is what is the relation, what determines our relationship with God, rather than Jesus cleansing us from all unrighteousness. It's gotta be a heart and then a mind situation. Why doesn't the band come on back up? We move. It's gotta be heart and then mind, renewing your mind. Heart and then mind. It is, it's so countercultural in the Christian world. It really is. It's countercultural in the Christian world. It's so counterintuitive to say that I'm righteous, that I have right relationship with God through the work of Jesus, despite what my mind is telling me, right? That I have right relationship with Jesus despite the fact that I lost my, my temper for the 10th time today. Despite the fact that people around me will, can look at me and say, well, how can they have a relationship with Jesus? They got a lot of work to do. Guess what? The work's been done. The work has already been done. Now, if I can just renew my mind to line up with that, if I can just renew my mind to really understand what God has done for me in Jesus, if I can, if I can make my knowledge line up with what has happened in my heart to actually believe that what he says about me is true, to actually believe that he says I'm his child and not his servant, to believe that that, that that is who I am, that that is where my identity lies. That's where it goes from a heart to a mind. And then when I believe it up here, that's when it goes from a mind to our feet. That's where the, that's where the horizontal change starts happening. When I can grasp up here with my mind, who he says I am is, is what is true in my heart, when I believe it up here, then it, it, then it starts to walk out in my feet. But until then, I'm gonna believe that I'm the scum of this earth and Jesus is just letting me go uh, because of his grace and, and I'm gonna continue to operate in that way. Maybe not, maybe not every day, maybe I'm gonna be pretty good some days, but then other days, I believe that I'm really just a sinner saved by grace and so I'm gonna act like a sinner saved by grace. Instead of believing that he says, no, you're my child and I paid the price for you and I sacrificed myself for you and now I made you right and your heart really is right. Now I believe it in my brain and I start to understand that if, if what he says about me is true, then that's not me anymore. And I, I don't have to do that. In fact, that's not what I wanna do. What I wanna do is have relationship with Jesus. What I wanna do is, is communicate with him. What I wanna do is let other people know that he died to make them right too. Rather than he died to cover their sin, but they really haven't changed any because, and so they continue to struggle. Do you see the difference? It's a heart, then a mind. When we can grab the heart change that's happened, it goes from our heart to our mind. We grab that change up here in our mind, then it goes down to our feet. That's the reality of what's happened. That's the reality of that will happen. And people can argue all day long and say, well, if you just take away all the laws, 
then, then people are just gonna go do whatever they want. That's right, because if I can grab what I want, if I can recognize that what has happened in my heart, if I recognize it with my mind, then what I want is not to go do whatever I want. What I want is to be a child of God. What I want is to recognize that he's made me right. And then what I want is to do what that means. So they can do what they want because in Christ we've been made right and we've been made righteous. And I can do what a righteous child of God wants to do. And when I don't, I know that he made me right. I know that I'm covered in him. And I just say, Jesus, I messed up again today. I'm sorry. Let's do it. Let's go. I want to be your child. I want to act like your child that I am, that I know I am, that you've made me. Not so I can come crawling back and say, will you just forgive me one more time? No, you've been forgiven. The sin's been forgiven. You've been made right. Now we get to take it and believe it up here and then walk it out with our feet. Because that's what we want to do as his children. Why don't y'all stand on up to your feet? We got the prayer team at the back. They'll have a lanyard on. If you want prayer for anything, there's stuff going on in your life that we can meet with you and pray with you about. They'll take you out into the hallway or into the alcove that's out there. Um, but we got a couple more songs and, uh, that we're gonna sing and, and continue to worship. But I really, I really want this for you. I really want this for you. I really want you to recognize that he's done something in you. And not just like he's done something for you in, in this, in, well, yeah, we know Jesus did something for us. We know he paid for us, right? No, he's done something in you. He gave you a new heart. When you recognize with your heart, when you recognize with the deepest part of you, who he is and what he did was for you. And then that was a change in you. Whether you can, can, whether you can wrap your brain around it or not, that's a change that's a reality for you. Let us renew our minds to understand that truth that he has done in you. And when you can, when you can start to grab a hold of that, it's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process, but when you start to grab a hold of it, the horizontal starts changing and it's not because I got to do better and I got to gotta make God happy. The horizontal starts changing because God is already happy with me. God is already pleased with me. God loves me. God gave himself for me in Jesus Christ. God sacrificed himself for me and he made me right. So now I get to do the horizontal because that's who I am. That's who he made me to be. So let's, uh, let's sing a few more songs here and, and then uh, we'll wrap this thing up. <laughs>